right, welcome everybody to another episode of Why Did I Like It? I'm the nefarious Mike A. Sims, your host. Now, I did something I normally don't do. That is, I asked for someone else's opinion. Not to say that I don't sit there and seek the advice of the elders or take my troubles to the high council. I do. I will continuously take my troubles to the high council, wherein it calls for such a thing. This time, however, instead of going to the high council, I actually looked for the advice of people that watch my stories on Instagram. I was on Twitter one day just perusing the wasteland that is Twitter when Eric Alper, I don't even know who this person is. I know he has a blue check, so he's probably someone of some status or, or prominence. And that's not a knock or an insult to Eric Alper. I'm just saying I'm not familiar with what it is that he does. I know that he's very prolific with music, apparently. So I think I first took note of him because of a music question that was posited oh, some time ago. Recently, though, he asked the question on Twitter, something along the lines of who's the greatest sitcom TV character of all time? And I very matter-of-factly said Danny Tanner for a litany of reasons that I didn't really illustrate too much at the time, but that is something that I genuinely believe. I believe Danny Tanner is the greatest sitcom character of all time. And that's with Boy Meets World being, well, now I have a contentious relationship with the show, but Boy Meets World being my favorite show for the longest time, sitcom-wise. I don't really like sitcoms, but if I had to choose, I'd watch Boy Meets World from beginning to ending because it was hilarious towards the end. And it was one of the first shows that I saw that had meta-commentary on the status of the cast and things like that. But I didn't say Corey Matthews. Uh, I would never say Steve Urkel for, again, a myriad of reasons. And I said Danny Tanner very, like, truthfully, because, you know, I'll get into the reasons later. But I was so proud of my tweet to this person, which had garnered a couple a couple likes, a couple retweets, not anything spectacular by any means, that I shared it on my Instagram story. And on my Instagram story, I said, who would like to see me do a, why did I like it on Full House? Like, why did I like Full House? And overwhelming response said yes. Um, so here we are doing, why did I like Full House? One of the other reasons why I'm excited to do this show Aside from the poll, the runaway poll, <laughs> it was like that was like five people. It was like five people were like, hey, sure, <laughs> whatever. It was like, you can do it if you want to. So no pressure, man. Just do whatever you want. Ain't nobody going to hold you back. Ain't nobody going to break my stride. But I was excited to do it because I genuinely, like I, I watched Fuller House, the reboot series that came out after the fact, because everything was rebooted at some point. I already went on a spiel about that, I believe. I can't even remember. But yes, in the archives of Why Did I Like It? And I did like the reboot. It was harmless, silly fun. You know, it was it was so, like, disarming. It was like, if you didn't like the Fuller House reboot, I could understand why without you even saying a run-on sentence of, of reasons. But at the same time, it was so harm. It was such a harmless show. And it's to describe a show as harmless. Like there's, there's, sorry, there's harmful shows out there. That show is extremely harmful. I don't like it. And I don't like you to watch it. That show was so harmful. Some shows can't, you know, I'm about to pivot real quick. Some shows can be harmful. I will say this, since this podcast details primarily with the 90s and early 2000s, I will say there were shows that were deemed harmful, but it's, cr you know what, Brian, put a bell in here, it's rant time. I was going to do rant time later on, but okay, let's just get it out of the way now. And this is because of how the 90s operated. Now, RoboCop, Terminator 2, Aliens, 
all of these movies, and I think I said this before, had toys. They had toy lines. They had video games. They were geared towards kids, those toy lines and those video games. These movies were rated R. Why in the world were we, as kids, and I'm not talking kids like, oh, two or three, no, kids with an understanding of what violence, death, and corruption, and gratuitous innuendo was. We, 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 we knew what these things were you know, at a very young age. And we give the new generation who's the iPad babies and Gen Z, we're like, oh, they know too much. There's too much information at their, at their fingertips. Yeah, spoiler alert, they're not all sitting there looking every single thing up that they, that they see. They're very preoccupied with their own lives and their own minds and Roblox, to be honest with you. And we were watching all these hardcore, just like violent things and like wondering why our generation was so, I mean, we were also watching Stone Cold Steve Austin drink beer and fight in the middle of the ring. UFC came to prominence at this time. And we're coming out of a generation where we all wanted to do karate into a generation when UFC just started. Bloodsport was there. Sylvester Sloan, Charles Bronson, Arnold Schwarzenegger were murdering people en masse in these movies. I saw Eraser in 1996 or 1997, whatever it was with my parents. Eraser had the, an insane death toll. True Lies, Die Hard. Like, why are we watching this crazy? Like, the violence was rampant. And this wasn't violence like just fist fights or karate fights. This was guns blazing, shooting. This was, we're going to kill as many people as possible on the screen in a short amount of time and we're going to get paid for it we're going to go home and that's going to be it so when i sit there and say fuller house was harmless it legitimately was harmless like it wasn't hurting anybody unlike these 90s tentpole action movies that we were watching and then we're playing with toys that were geared towards children out of shows that had literally robocop had a rainfall of bullets on the main character his hand get blown off and his head get blown out like, man, I can't wait to get that plastic toy that allows me to reenact this brutal murder someday. All right, rant over. Yeah, that one just kind of, that one's been on the back shelf for a while. But anyway, the reboot, it acts as a perfect companion piece to the original Full House as best as I can remember. I don't remember early Full House because it came out in 1987. I myself was born in 1986, making me one. <laughs> Sorry, I'm so giggly today. I apologize. <laughs> I just did math for you guys. Like, oh, it made me one when it came out. Full House itself made me one. No, but I was one when it aired on um, whatever network it was. I want to say it was ABC, but it was definitely part of the TGIF lineup. For those of you who don't know, TGIF was a, was a block of programming that was family-oriented. It came on a Friday. TJF stood for Thank God It's Friday. The acronym had been around for a while. I don't know if it started in party culture or what, but it's just been around for a while. First time I heard my, my mother explain what TJF meant, it blew my mind. They would also do this thing where when they premiere new seasons of, you know, like Saturday morning cartoons or whatever, they'd have the characters or the cast from TJF hanging out at a block party and they would like premiere clips of the shows. I actually love that a lot. I miss those. I miss that. I don't like to get nostalgic for much because... Again, I feel like the passage of time has led to way better, you know, output as far as entertainment and consumption and stuff like that. You know, I'm a big, big, big fan of streaming and everything. So I don't, I'm not, I'm not lamenting for the days of yesteryear where it was like, oh man, I wish that there was, you know, these poorly scripted sitcoms where they replace characters or just dissolve them without any rhyme or reason or explanation and then just kind of fade into parody. And then there'd be flanderization of characters that become one note, just jokes, punchlines, or just devices for plots. No, I don't, I don't yearn for those days. But I do wish there were people from sitcoms hanging out at a makeshift neighborhood that's actually a backlot for a movie studio 
And they were introducing clips for cartoons I'd eventually watch and then kind of forget about sometimes because I'd be outside on my bike. But this was the, the this was where Full House came from. And this is also in the era of Family Matters, of Step by Step. Oh, I actually love Step by Step because I because I had a crush on Christine Lankin, who who was like the tomboyish character. Step by Step was about was a modern day Brady Bunch. Brady Bunch was about a guy whose wife got murked and a woman whose husband. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Brian. I'm so sorry, you guys. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. When I just said that his wife got murked, I made myself laugh. I'm sorry. I'm apologizing for the content. I know Bryce will have to clip this out, but that just actually, I got myself together at that point. But Brady Bunch is about a, a man whose wife got murked, a woman whose husband got murked, and they got married. Step by Step was the updated version of it, you know, where the parents in the Brady Bunch were like 70s and very bleh. In the 90s, it was Suzanne Summers, who was a very gorgeous woman and I can't remember who played the father, but he was also a very handsome man. And um, the kids were all like very like good looking kids. And Christine Lankin was like the the middle child from the, the father's side who was a girl and she was like a tomboy, but then she was really pretty. At least she still, she still acts to this day. She's in a variety of roles. But I, so I had, that's so why I liked Step by Step. Um, not by like some, oh, he was like, you know, a ravenous teenage, like, no. It was like, oh, she's pretty. I can watch the show because she's pretty. That's how, that's how I liked uh, girls back in the day I was like, oh, she's pretty. And I was just like, oh, she's pretty. That's literally, that's literally it. That's the extent of it. There was no posters on my wall of uh, females. Those posters of Digimon on my wall. But yeah, so it was, it was, it was a lineup that was very wholesome. I mean, it was, all the shows were very sitcom-y. The plots were very sitcom-y. Those, oh, uh, of course, Boy Meets World would eventually join the lineup and there'd be a rotation of like, there'd be at least two or three like hit shows and then like one kind of rotating fourth show. Hanging with Mr. Cooper was also another show that came on, which was with Mark Curry as a basketball teacher. It was it was awesome. It was, it was, these were awesome times. But Full House, I think Full House had to be like the first major hit from the TGIF era. But I don't remember Full House when it first started for obvious reasons. So I'm excited to go back and to take a look at it to see what it is that this whole show was about. Now, the first part of this, I'm actually recording on you know YouTube doing the stream like I like to do just so I can, you know, release some clips and all that good stuff. I don't want to explain this stuff to you guys. But I have to shut it off because I did do a stream on YouTube where I played a clip from a movie that's coming out and the clip was on YouTube. So I thought it was for public consumption and I was flagged. It was a copyright thing. So, you know, I'm not trying to go down that rabbit hole. So I'm going to hop right into watching uh, the first episode of Full House. So because it's 2022, I'm able to stream the show and it's currently available on HBO Max, which is kind of strange to me because Fuller House was available on Netflix. So for no real reason, I just assumed like, oh, yeah, it's also been Netflix. Wrong. I don't know, like deals and things like that. Uh, I'm usually up on. So I'm guessing this is a. Uh, I think Warner Brothers produced the original show and Fuller House was produced through Netflix. So Fuller House is at I guess this is all an assumption. Warner Brothers owns HBO, so uh, that would explain that. But either way, Full House is on HBO Max, and that's what I'm watching on. The first episode is titled, oh, goodness, our very first show. Uh, okay, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you... Can you tell that I don't want to watch this show? Um, not for any negative reasons. <laughs> I don't want to watch this show for negative reasons, which is what somebody negative would say right before they have to watch the show. 
no, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited to watch it. Just don't like, don't be a, don't be a downer. Don't be a downer. This is a, this is a good opportunity to, to see how a stalwart show holds up over time. One that captured the zeitgeist for a very long time. Um, and may, I want to say the the careers of the, you know what, let's get into this. Let's get into this first episode. I'm going to pause it. Um, pause it. I'm going to pause it momentarily. I probably won't really, no, I'm not going to say it's a watch along because one, my producer, um, while cackling over a cauldron, which was very weird, let me know that he doesn't make the show stay linear because he just, you know, likes to, to chop and screw them and uh, make me sound as, as incompetent as possible. So I'm describing something from a scene from a TV show or whatever and thinking that you guys are watching along when no, he's hopped ahead 60 minutes or whatever it is and. At one time, he even put in snippets of um, the Barney Fife show, which is a very 1950s reference. Oh, the Andy Griffith show. Sorry. Barney Fife was a character from it. None of this has anything to do with anything. All right. So the first episode of Full House, season one, is called Our Very First Show. And I hope there's somewhere that there's a writer who wrote that down and was like, yeah, we'll change the name of it later on. We'll change the pilot name to something more appropriate, you know, to deal with a plot, whatever flimsy plot it's going to be, and never got around to it. And now, uh, whenever they see the writing credit, they're like, oh, well, what have you written? It's like, well, <laughs> well, I wrote the very first show of Full House. And it's like, oh, what was that title? It's like, oh, um, it was our very first show. And they're like, yeah, but what was it called? And he just packs up his things slowly. <laughs> he walks out of the interview, never to be heard from again. And uh, the cover art for this, cover art, the screen grab, the thumbnail for this is a mulleted John Stamos, a.k.a. Uncle Jesse, talking to a very tall Danny Tanner, a.k.a. the late, great legend, Bob Saget. Oh, that still hurts to say. Oh, let's see. The description is Danny Tanner, widowed father of three young and rambunctious girls, ages nine months, five and ten years old recruits his two buddies, his brother-in-law, Jesse. Oh, Jesse was a brother-in-law and his best friend, Joey, to move in and help him raise the brood. I never realized Uncle Jesse was was Uncle Danny's, was Uncle Danny's, was Danny's brother-in-law. Maybe I did know that. I honestly, no, I don't think I knew that. I don't think I knew that Jesse was, or it didn't, it didn't stay with me. That was very much a, a, a product of just revisionist history where they probably mentioned it just in this pilot and never again because lost. I don't think they even mentioned that in... Maybe they did. See, okay, now now I'm having a Mandela effect moment where I'm I'm imagining a conversation between Danny and Uncle Jesse about his sister slash Danny's wife. I don't know. All right, so let's just play this. Okay, subtitles are on, thank goodness. So I can just... Re- <laughs> I might as well be reading a book. Oh, by the way, I think next week I'm going to cover Animorphs, but we'll get to that. Much as I love... Oh, whoops, I paused by accident. Much as I love Danny Tanner... Uh, it is kind of funny that he wasn't, he was the first choice. The producer's first choice for Danny Tanner was Bob Saget. That was starring John Stamos, Bob Saget, Dave Coulier, go Joey, Candace Cameron, aka Hallmark, or now something else, Jody Sweeten. And uh, as a kid, I didn't realize that Michelle was two different actresses. Well, no, yeah, I didn't know that until like I was older. So Mary Kate and Ashley became like, they were, goodness, they were a friend, they were a franchise unto themselves. I forgot. I think they were called Dual Star. I think that was their production company. It was Dual Star Entertainment. I believe that's what it was called. And they would produce movies like the Mary Kate and Ashley Mysteries and 
it takes two and all this, Uncle Jesse walking up and Uncle Joey. Yeah, like Uncle Joey has a chance with those girls. They're walking through the park and Uncle Jesse walked off and Uncle Joey followed him. Like, Uncle Joey, come on. Come on now. Come on, buddy. The reason why I said Danny Tanner was my favorite sitcom character, especially in retrospect, was because this man, at the time, I loved him because as a kid, I was like, man, he's such a great father. He always walks into your room when that music plays. Dun, 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 after you have a problem. Wait a minute. Who's this lady with blonde hair? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, oh, grandma. Oh, okay. That's Danny's, that's Danny's mother. Okay. I was very confused. I thought they were, <laughs> I got to pause it right away. Hold on. I thought this episode was going to start with, <laughs> okay. So Danny walks through the doors with DJ and Stephanie and this lady, this blonde woman walks up to him. And since Bob Saget has always looked the same age until he got older, that he somehow looked slightly older than his age. I thought him and this woman were the same age. And I saw mom because I'm reading the, the subtitles. So I'm like, wait a minute. Are they going to show Danny Tanner's wife getting murked? Which just seems very jarring for a sitcom. But then you find out that it's his mother. And it's like, oh, grandma, I'm going to miss you. What I was going to say was, uh, I think I was talking about something with Michelle and them. But I'll, I'll get to that later on. I didn't realize they were twins or whatever. Bob Saget was the first choice. But he was going to film a different show. I think it was like called Good Morning or whatever it was. So he was unavailable. And... He turned down the role. So instead, it went to John Posey. Oh, so, oh, goodness. Wow, this is... John Posey actually is the father of Tyler Posey, who is the actor who plays in the MTV reboot of Teen Wolf, which has a TV movie coming out soon. The Teen Wolf reboot is obviously based on the original Teen Wolf, starring Michael J. Fox, which was done by who? Michael, a.k.a. Mike A. Sims, me from Why Did I Like... Teen Wolf that came out around Halloween that I didn't finish watching that I'm never going to finish watching. <gasps> I have to go lay down. That was crazy. That was, that was crazy. I think I just had an out-of-body experience. But they brought John Posey in. They shot the pilot. Then all of a sudden, Danny Tanner, I'm sorry, uh, Bob Saget became available. And they were like, yeah, John Posey, I know you um, filmed the pilot and everything like that. And you seem like a great guy, but <sighs> get your things and get out of here now. Um, and Lo and behold, you know, Bob Saget became the guy. Bob Saget was like, he, was, he would walk in the room when the music played. When, when the music went soft and full house or really in any of those sitcoms, Family Matters, Step by Step, whatever, you knew that it was time for the lesson. Like you had, you had done whatever you did if you wanted the child actors or whatever, whatever shenanigans you'd gotten up to during the episode had occurred. And so now it was time. It was time for the learning moment. It was time to understand exactly what you had to do going forward to make yourself a better person. So I, I loved like, oh man, I loved when Danny Tanner would walk in their rooms, sit on the bed, nah, 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 you know, Deej, and like go into the, you know, sometimes being a big person can make you scared. Every day and then Uncle Joey or Uncle Jesse would try to like step in for those roles. And I'd just be like, first of all, Uncle Jesse, you've clearly made nothing but horrible decisions in life. So because one, you're a handsome dude. Two, you're like a biker. And three, you're obsessed with the Beach Boys. So yeah, I'm not listening to anything you have to say. And Uncle Joey, just spare, just, just Uncle Joey, save yourself the embarrassment. So that's why I picked him from you know a, a kid's standpoint. And then as a as a father now, which automatically gives me clout to talk down to people who don't have kids. I'm like, this man had three daughters. Three, a man had three daughters. And moves in his, I guess, brother-in-law. 
and another random dude into his house. Not to mention Comet, that dog that would come every now and then. And then Aunt Becky, who married Uncle Jesse and then had twins and still lived in his house. I don't know if Uncle Joey was there that long with anybody, without anybody, but that's neither here nor there. And then there'd be all manner of kids like Kimmy Gibbler coming up in the house. Like Danny Tanner was a saint. He was dealing with a bunch of personalities and he would just find time for hit the hit the soft music. I'm going to go talk to my daughters for a second. Hit the soft music. I'm going to talk to Joe. Hit the soft music. I'm going to talk. Hit the soft music. Here comes Danny Tanner. I'm actually wearing a sweater right now as I'm doing this. And that is an ode to Danny Tanner. I don't even know how often he wore sweaters. For all I know, he could have wore buttons. I feel like he was always wearing sweaters. I don't know. You know what? I'm going to find out right now. He's wearing a sweater in this first scene, though. So I think I proved my point. Uh, the grandma is trying to use grandmother manipulation, which is where you make the parents seem incompetent and you make promises to the grandkids that you don't really have to fully keep. You just do one part of it. Like if you promise them McDonald's and a movie and to watch TV later or to jump on the bed, you can just get the McDonald's and make them watch TV and they'll think that you did a bunch of stuff for them as a grandparent and you as a parent are just always incompetent. So the past three months, I guess Danny Tanner's wife just died and his father's still alive because he's saying to his mother that you got to go back to dad. He needs you. Uh, the mother, I want to say, is about 50 or 45. Danny Tanner is about 47. <laughs> Brian's going to hate me in this one because I just keep giggling. Danny Tanner, okay, seriously, I need you guys to watch this first episode of uh, Full House and see this woman who plays Danny's mother because she's genuinely the same age as him or maybe like a year older. Stephanie's holding on to grandma's neck. Danny's lifting her up. Jody Sweeten was an adorable child actress. With with uh, the the pouty like oh shucks, DJ already looks like a like a very um assertive personality. Like DJ always intimidated me. Like she just always seemed like she was mad at Stephanie and Michelle for things, or she was mad at somebody. And I get because she was the teenage character, so she just you know that was unfortunate what she had. Look, she's already saying, do I have to share a room with her about Stephanie? And being the teen, especially a teenage girl in the 80s, 90s, like you just kind of hated your siblings. And Uncle Jesse's walking in with a guitar and one bag, a leather jacket and the tightest jeans this side of an emo scene. Man, John Stamos, as much as a little Bob Saget. And I loved Bob Saget. I still do to this day, even though, you know, rest in peace. Uncle Jesse, man, I followed John Stamos's career to the depths. He did a movie back, I think I want to say the movie took place in the 70s or 80s, where he was a part of a special group of bikers who went overseas. He was a, he was a motorcyclist or motorcycle enthusiast, and he was recruited by the military to do a special mission overseas. And it was a, it was a very, I don't think anybody saw this movie. Like me, my brother and I saw this movie on HBO one random day. And I loved it. And we watched it just because it was John Stamos. Then later on, when I was like in high school, he had a show called Jake in Progress, which was literally just about like, I think he was a sports agent or he was one of those things where like you, you walk very quickly through an office building and you say like a bunch of like buzzwords and you kind of like go to lunch with people and they show you hooking up with a very attractive person. That's what he, that's what Jake in progress was, but he was trying to be like a, a guy who just didn't suck. Like that was the whole, he was like, oh, I'm Jake, I'm Jake in progress. Like, I think it lasted for like maybe three episodes, but I watched every episode. It was on Fox. And then he had another show that came out a couple of years ago that I, that was, it was so good. It was called Grandfathered and it was him and Josh from Drake and Josh and John Stamos, Uncle Jesse, since he still kind of, you know, looks, he looks good for his age. He 
like I don't he was like a the owner of a restaurant and Josh is like, Hey, I have a, a child and you're a grandfather. And that was the whole premise of the show was that John Samuels was like, But I don't look old enough to be a grandfather. Okay, I know you know, and saying that it sounds like the show was ridiculous or that premise is paper thin. Uh, it kind of veered away from that premise because you, re- you rarely saw the baby. But the supporting cast was stellar, and I loved it. I mean, he was even, and then John Stamos was in Scream Queens, which I already love that show anyway because I love Jamie Lee Curtis. But John Stamos played a doctor in, stream- in Scream Queens who was also handsome. And, you know, that was like his whole thing. And he was also in You with Penn Badgley, where he played a professor who was having an affair with one of his students because John Stamos and everything is going to point out how good looking John Stamos is because he's John Stamos. People, are we paying attention? There's even this thing that I've always wanted to do where I, I want to say that I got it from Nick Swarsden, but I don't remember exactly. But I've always wanted to, you know, when I eventually shuffle off this mortal coil, I want to have a cache of money or a small safe, <laughs> a small safe of money. Um, and the key is hidden somewhere, but I'll only tell it to John Stamos and he can only get it when I pass away. But all he has to do to get this money is come to my funeral, stand by the entrance, don't even go in. Just stand by the entrance. Make sure everybody sees him. Because I'm sure John Samuels will still be alive. And just kind of look around. If he has a cigarette, that'd be great. If not, it's okay. And then he just smirks. <laughs> you know, laughs a little bit. And then Stamos exits. That's it. I don't I don't want him to explain why he's there. I don't want anybody to know why Stamos is there. I just want Stamos to show up, do that, and leave. All right, let's get back to this. Because Stamos just showed up, a.k.a. Uncle Jesse. Also, Christina Milian was in that, that show, Grandfathered, as like Josh's... Um, girlfriend, which was wildly unbelievable. So Uncle Jesse's regaling Uncle Danny with a show about the Razzle Dazzle 86 and how he hooked up with a showgirl named Vanessa. This is in front of Stephanie and DJ, by the way. And uh, Uncle Jesse's talking about this girl they hooked up with before she went over to the Philippines to do a show for the USO Boys, I guess, which is an overseas army show. He's being very vague about it, but he's basically talking about a one night stand in front of these two children. So already we're off to a stellar start. Mind you, this was a show. This is a family show. But Uncle Danny, sensing the fact that Uncle Jesse has no idea how to speak in front of two children, quickly says, because Uncle Jesse's like, this one girl was starving for her. And Uncle Danny's like, sandwich. <laughs> sandwich, because she was hungry. Right, Jesse? And now he was dosy doing Stephanie. It is funny to see... Um, like the early stages. I love watching pilots before the characters are fleshed out or even before like the show kind of drops certain premises that they plan on adhering to strictly. Like, all right, it's going to be about basically three men and a baby with three men and three babies. Oh, goodness. Goodness. The aggressively unfunny Uncle Joey comes walking in. He made a trumpet noise with his mouth. Ah, Joey, buddy, your best buddy's moving in. I, you know, okay, let me pause it again. Dave Coulier, who plays Uncle Joey, was in a season of surreal life where they put celebrities. I don't like saying a B C D list celebrities. I think that's very offensive. If you've done something to merit being on television or being in popular culture or being celebrated, then you deserve the status no matter what. So Dave, I paused it. I paused it in a very unflattering position for Dave Coulier. But then I'm like, it's Dave Coulier. What is a flattering position? Especially when you juxtapose him with uncle Jesse, like, come on. Like I would, if I look like uncle Joey, and I had to be around Uncle Jesse, I would just pray that people would sometimes kind of glance my way. Like, I know already my position. All right, I'm not going to get anywhere with anyone. I don't just mean like intimate-wise. I mean like just in general. No one's going to pay attention to me because Uncle Joey's in the room. But maybe 
after they've grown tired of Uncle Joey, Uncle Jesse, they might turn and be like, okay, so what's up with the weird guy? That's when Joey strikes. Uh, but unfortunately, Uncle Joey was not funny. But Dave Coulier was on The Surreal Life, which had a bunch of other celebrities on it. And they lived in a house for about a week, two weeks or whatever. And um, he was a very lovely, like awesome guy. He was so nice. He was so warm. He was so, you know, wholesome. I mean, I almost said he was so Canadian, but the fact that Canadians are just are just decent people, decent to good people who try to do the right thing. And Americans are just like, oh, we're losers. It always makes me laugh. Uh, so the fact that I was about to jump on that bandwagon was like, wait, why am I going to like point out that he's Canadian? But he, you know, they they had to adopt the, the cast of the Surreal Life had to adopt a dog and nobody wanted to take care of this dog. So Uncle Joey was like, I'll do it. I'll do it. Which was very nice of him. But yeah, so he, he's a very lovely guy. But my goodness, man, Dave Coulier, like as soon as Uncle Joey just, I'm looking at him right now. And even as a kid, this is taking me back. Even as a kid, I did not think Uncle Joey was funny. I didn't, you know what? I'm, try, I'm trying to, I'm struggling to figure out why I like this show. Oh, Danny Tanner, Dirt Mike, come on. All right, let's get back to this because Uncle Joey, um, I feel like because Uncle Joey is Canadian, I have to touch on this, it somehow makes his character more sinister. Like he has to know that these, these American sensibilities, especially in the 90s, cannot stand a character like him. Like he, I, there's no way he doesn't know. There's no way he doesn't know that like him walking with his, he would always do a Popeye voice and then he had something with a, a chipmunk like puppet. Oh, like I'm getting angry to Uncle Joey. Watch me turn around in a couple years and be like, Uncle Joey's my favorite character. I would never, I would never. That is a hell I would die on. They'd be like, listen, Mike, bullet to your head right now. Say Uncle Joey's your favorite character. You might as well just give John Stamos the money to go to my funeral now because I am not, not saying that. All right, let's go. Uncle Joey walked in, by the way, into a man a bereaved man, because I'm guessing the wife just died. I'm just Danny Tanner's wife died three months ago. He walked into this house with an armful of clothes, not even in a bag, and said, I haven't done laundry in forever. He dumped them on the floor. He approaches Uncle Jesse. Let's see their first interaction. Danny Tanner rightfully throws Uncle Joey's clothes on the ground like, I don't work for you. Jesse, long time no see. Now, be honest. Did you ever think we'd end up being roommates? Uncle Jesse says, not once. Uncle Joey laughs at his own... I don't know what he laughed at. So I love this guy. Danny, now there's oh, the way my stuff's fitting into a room this tiny. Joey's literally under the stairs. He's in an alcove, which basically means he's, he's, in a, he's in a closet under the stairs without a door. He said, oh, now look at it. It's enormous. If I'm, if I'm Danny Tanner, I'm like, you're complaining about room size. You're staying in my house. And imitates Popeye's laugh. Imitates spaceship. I'm not doing these noises because I hate Uncle Joey so much. Silence. Silence. If I was, yes, DJ. Uncle Joey's sitting there doing this nonsense, imitating spaceships and, and Popeye's voice. DJ's like, you think we can catch grandma at the airport? Yeah. You know what? Better yet, just go live with grandma. That's, you know what? Actually, that would have solved everybody's problems. Danny Tanner's wife died three months ago, according to this, which in the 90s, might as well be 16 years because in the 90s, with, with any kind of show, romantic comedy, anything, when somebody dies or broken up with, it's like, you gotta get out of your shell. Like, no time to grieve, no time to get over it. Just pack it all in. <laughs> Let's move on. Come on, you got to just go. I'm clearly doing a romantic comedy where like, you know, the female's like, I can't believe Scott dumped me. I thought he was going to marry me. He was like the perfect guy. Then the friend comes in. Listen, Jan, you need to figure out what you're doing with yourself and your life. You need to just go. Go to Cabo. <laughs> like, Hugh Grant said, oh, I'm so very sorry. Uh, I've never come to Mexico before. I've just never met a woman like you. Jan, he's the one. 
And then it just, you never think of the fact that this, or the person pops up towards the end, like, Jan, I'm ready to be the guy that you, that you loved. I'm ready now. But she's moved on with Hugh Grant. That's what this is. Danny Tanner has been mourning his wife for three months. So Uncle Joey comes in, you know what I mean? And Uncle Jesse's like, hey, this chicken casino or whatever it is, like, not one person has hugged him and said, hey, Danny, how are you? How are you holding up? Like, <laughs> they're all about themselves right off the bat. Like, Uncle Joey literally says, oh, this is my room. This is tiny. Hey, Joey, how about the fact that my wife used to keep her books in here? Hey, Danny, how, you know, I was messing with this girl in the casino. Hey, Jesse, how about the fact that your sister was my wife and she's dead? You saw that divot in the road when you came here? Yeah, that's where her car flipped over. They didn't even fix the pothole yet. Uncle Jesse's too busy listening to, like talking about the Beach Boys or whatever. DJ with disdain looking at Uncle Joey. Same, same energy. Danny Tanner with khaki and khaki shoes. Brown on brown. Yeah, and now Uncle Joe. Okay, Danny went upstairs to show Uncle Jesse to his new room, which has pink bunnies on it. And it's basically a little girl's room. Uncle Jesse with the illest attitude I've ever seen in my life. This is next level attitude. He's complaining about the view. He's complaining about everything. Look, Jesse, I want you to know that having you and Joey here really means a lot to me. This is Danny. Open it. This is Danny. Just knowing somebody who's here who cares about the girls. You know, they're so happy you're here. Jesse's not even listening. God bless you. Hugs Jesse. Jesse looks mortified. You're hugging me in a room with pink bunnies. Seriously, Uncle Jesse? Do we not realize that this... I'm sorry, I'm an emotional guy. Danny has to apologize to this. Wow. I'm a lead mean hugging machine. Danny Tanner, you are. You are a godsend. Danny Tanner sitting here pouring out his, his, his heart to his wife's, his dead wife's brother. And Uncle Jesse's like, <laughs> we're in a room full of pink bunnies. Like someone's going to walk in and be like, hey, were there two men in here? <laughs> Uncle Jesse's like, yeah, 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 we're two men. No, you guys are hugging. And all this bunnies, all this pink stuff. No, you're not men. Not anymore, you're not. Like, man. And, Uncle, and, and Danny's sitting there literally saying how he appreciates that they're here. And they're just so self-absorbed. Oh, Pam was my big sister. Here we go. And I loved her very much. And I love your kids. This is Jesse to, to Danny. And I'm happy to do what I can. And he hugs him. And he says, now you're hugging me again. Wow. Was that the, I think that's the most emotional, I don't know, connection we're going to get about Jesse, about his sister passing away. Because he seems much more interested in making jokes about Danny hugging him than anything else. DJ. Oh, I get it. So Jesse took DJ's room. So now DJ's mean to Stephanie doing that rules thing where they would like split the room down the middle sitcoms kids and sitcoms were like okay if you go up in the 90s if you watched only tv shows you would assume that every single older sibling hated their younger sibling and i don't mean like hated like you're annoying but more like don't you touch my stuff i'll kill you i'll uh, when you sleep in the smother you with a pillow okay dj split the room down the middle stephanie is okay I need, I need you guys to see this please everyone watch this episode stephanie is now scaling across the curtain clearly they're using wire work to get her over there but this is hilarious <laughs> and dj just pulls the curtain so she has to go back the other way i'm so mad that this is this this is such terrible wire work stephanie what are you doing just hanging around oh killing it stephanie killing it Man, never changed, Stephanie. She was hanging from the curtain. Oh, Joey walks in saying, all right, limbo. Because they, oh my goodness, he's making me so angry. It's like I said, in the 90s, they said, they, they, you know, you had to hate your sibling, basically. So they would do this thing where they'd always like, usually use paint or something. They would divide the room down the middle. This time, DJ decided to divide the room by using caution tape. So 
That's why Stephanie was trying to get to the other side by by like climbing up on the the curtain. She like shimmies her way across with wire work. Like they clearly have a harness to her, like, and they're moving her across the room. And then DJ just like pulls the thing on the curtain, and she like Stephanie goes back the other way. It's actually very funny. But then Joey walks in and ruins it because he's like, "Oh, this caution tape limbo," and he goes under it and silence. I'm gonna re-edit this so anytime Joey makes a joke, it's just silence. I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna like. Like everybody else, I'm going to put an abundance of laughs in. The laugh tracks are going to do extra work. And then as soon as Joey makes even the slightest joke, DJ says this is a nightmare. I agree, DJ. I agree. I agree. Danny Tanner saying everything's going to work out super great. Oh, yeah. I forgot that Danny's a reporter in this. He said, today starts my two-part series, Boxers, Highly Skilled Athletes, or Bullies in Shorts. I forgot that that, uh, Danny was was a news anchor. Like in the show, because he eventually meets Vicky, who's his co-anchor. I think he marries her. I don't know if he married her in Fuller House. I don't remember. Now the baby's schedule, you guys can take care of it. Yeah, we'll take care of the kids. So Joey and Jess are being left to their own devices with DJ, who just looks, DJ looks mean this entire episode. And I feel so bad for her because she just looks so angry. Oh, Michelle. I completely forgot about Michelle. Look at Ashley Olsen and Mary Kate, whichever one, they're switching off. It's crazy to think that those are two different actresses. Um, the Olsen twins. Oh, like I was saying earlier in this podcast, the Olsen twins eventually, like their popularity was was so massive because they were twins. That's literally it. They were just twins. There is nothing. I mean, that's it's. I guess it's spectacular that two people had like the same face and were I don't know born at the same time. I don't. I don't know why twins are so. Why there's such a fascination with twins? I actually, I know a few twins, and. I don't know. Even sister, sister. I don't really get like, I don't know. I don't get the appeal of twins. I don't. Now, Twitches, the Disney Channel, sure. Because that was a Halloween movie about um, teen witches and they were twins. So Twitches, that was T and Tamara. That made sense. You know, I also like sister, sister. Don't get me wrong. I did like sister, sister. But I like sister, sister because, which was T and Tamara Maury. They played sisters. They were twin sisters. But I liked it because the supporting cast was great. The fact that they're twins never did anything. It's like, oh, they're twins. Let's see what they do. The same as everybody else, except while sharing a slightly similar face, because T and Tamara are not identical twins. The Olsen twins, they were massive. When I say they had the Mary Kate and Ashley mysteries where they like solved mysteries, they even had video games. They had special VHSs of just random stuff. Uh, like they had a song called No One Tells the President What to Do. I would sing it, but I don't want to get copyright. They had It Takes Two with Kirstie Alley and Steve Gutenberg. I actually love that movie, which is a knockoff of Parent Trap, except it took place in an orphanage in like a summer camp. That's a great movie. But like, they just, they, they were they were massive. They had, like I said, they had dual star entertainment and they eventually went off into, I think they're in fashion. I don't know what they do now. They, they, the last movie they did was New York Minute and then they kind of fell off. If you're wondering why I know all these facts about all this stuff about this show, this is not for me doing research for this particular episode. This is just stuff that I know about Full House and these casts. Like, honestly, that's why early when I started to say, like, you know, that the cast found fame, I want to say that they they did, but they didn't. They found relevance. I know Jodie Sweet, who played Stephanie, went through some troubles in between, but she came out phenomenal on the other end. Wonderful. I saw an interview of her that she conducted on the AV Club, which is an online entertainment magazine or whatever you want to call it, site or whatever. And, you know, she looked phenomenal. She's been clean, sober for a few years, done some Hallmark movies. Uh, Candace Cameron, who plays DJ, she's done tons of Hallmark movies and recently transferred over to Great American Channel, which is a, essentially a Hallmark movie, a Hallmark channel that is a little bit more, I guess, 
mainstream uh, middle America. Uncle Jesse, Jan- John Stamos is now in big shots on Disney Plus. Dave Coulier pops up in things randomly, but he also said he wasn't really a fan of the whole celebrity culture, so he tends to avoid. But he was a big part of Stellar of Fuller House. Uh, Bob Saget unfortunately passed away. Bob Saget also had a very raunchy. They're cleaning the baby in the sink, by the way. And I'm not really paying attention to the show, but Michelle peed herself. So Joey and Jesse, who have never, I guess, held a baby ever, are washing her off in the sink with like the spray hose and they're going to use paper towel, which is going to, if you're a parent, then you know, oh no, they're wrapping her in the paper towel. Okay, now Jesse's getting wrapped with her in the paper towel, the spinning around. Stephanie's watching these two buffoons just basically traumatize her, her sister. And Stephanie's just <laughs> a very disapproving glance. Stephanie looks like the oldest person in the room in this entire scenario. But back to Bob Saget. Bob Saget had a very raunchy stand-up. Um, he would do this thing called comic relief where comedians would do shows and have telethons and perform to raise money for various causes. It was a charity and it was very big in the 90s. And I think it started in the 80s. You know, so so some of the, the stand-up was, was raunchy of Bob Saget. And he would you know have these legendary guest stints in shows and movies. And of course, being they had a prequel to Dumb and Dumber, which is a Jim Carrey vehicle, Jim Carrey and um, Jeff Daniels. Um, they had a prequel which starred Eric Christian Olsen and some other guy. And there's a scene where these two characters who are idiots, they go into the bathroom and they're trying to eat a Snickers bar. It gets all over the wall. So it looks like fecal matter. And Bob Saget goes in there and he's cursing about how there is an S-word storm all over the bathroom. It's, it's a hilarious scene. And there's another movie called Half-Baked, which was you know, created by the amazing Dave Chappelle about cannabis usage. And Dave Chappelle's character says he's addicted to cannabis. So he goes to rehab and Bob Saget is in the rehab meeting. <laughs> okay, Uncle Jesse is now making out with this random girl by the front door. So Bob Saget says in this Dave Chappelle movie, he says, have you ever had to do heinous acts for an actually powerful drug? It, he uses way more colorful language. I'm, I'm dressing this up a lot. I'm basically doing like the uh, highbrow version of what Bob Saget's routines were, but he still maintained this, this aura of of like a dad figure to us. And then when he started doing the narrator's voice on How I Met Your Mother, which was, you know, Bob Saget's voice telling the story of another man's life. That's basically what it was. Because it was supposed to be Bob Saget. Or it was supposed to be, the character's supposed to sound like Bob Saget. But it was the story was about this guy telling the story to his kids about how he met their mother. And when they would, like when the guy was talking normally, selling like himself. But when the flashbacks would start, the episodes would start, it would be a flashback, beginning narration by Bob Saget. So Bob Saget sounded nothing like the guy who played the main character. I know that was a very complicated way to say it. Basically, Bob Saget would narrate a TV show and he was still warm Bob Saget. As a matter of fact, you know what? Jamie Kennedy had a show where he was trying to be a rapper for a little bit, him and his boy, and they needed a celebrity for one of the episodes. It was on MTV. And the song they came out with was Rolling With Bob Saget. And I actually remember liking the song, Who You Rolling With? Like, I'm not going to sing it, but you can, you can look that up. Rolling With Saget. It's a real thing. And I think Bob Saget's in the video too. Actually, I know he's in the video. What am I saying? I think. And the show, I can't remember the name of the show, but it was Jamie Kennedy from the Jamie Kennedy Experiment. I also think at one point in that show, they did blackface, but this is not the platform for it. So DJ has been found. She is, um, she ran to the garage, it looks like. And we got our first mention of Kimmy Gibbler. Kimmy is not in this episode. Kimmy is the neighbor who would show up and frequently just, she was like the Steve Urkel of Full House. Steve Urkel being the annoying neighbor who would come over and terrorize the family. And um, Joey is now explaining to Danny why raising kids is terrible. Uncle Jesse is just putting his head down. 
and saying he wants to go see Vanessa, the girl who just walked into the literally the girl just opened the door, walked outside, making out with Uncle Jesse. And Uncle Jesse's like, um, let me just go do whatever. Danny's like, I have to check on the baby. Can you just stay here with DJ, please? So now Uncle Jesse is trying to impart wisdom onto this girl by saying, back in the house. So DJ thinks she's going to move into the garage. From what I've gained so far from this, which I've just been talking about the background of these actors and what they've done since then and everything like that, this show itself, because I was giggling at Michelle about Stephanie crawling across the, the curtain, I can see why I liked it because it's, it's some, it's, there's something about it. There's, a, there's an inherent charm that Full House has always had, and I'm seeing it here. I'm just, I'm very taken aback by this because I'm like, I can't, exp- I can't explain it even if I tried. Uncle Jesse is trying to do the cardinal sin of dealing with children, bargaining. <sighs> Uncle Jesse said, if you go back in the house and you listen, I'll give you $20. Uncle Jesse, that never works. The kids just want more. If you promise to like get them candy, like, oh, if you this, like, like it, it just, it all falls apart. It's best to just, I don't know, do whatever it takes to get through the day with children and just pray that when they're older, they'll remember the good times. That's some parenting advice for you people out there. Wow. So now Uncle Jesse is mad because Uncle Jesse was trying to bring Vanessa into Uncle Danny's house upstairs to do stuff with her. And Danny's like, I told her she can't stay here because there's girls in this house. So now that Vanessa left, Uncle Jesse with the DJ is like, I want my money back <laughs> because the money was contingent on Vanessa staying the night. And since DJ is now no longer being paid by Uncle Joey to stay in there, DJ has left. Danny's like, Jesse, you buffoon, take Michelle. Stephanie, come with me. These men are all a mistake. Oh, close up on the Olsen twin. Uncle Jesse looking. How can Uncle Jesse, how can Uncle Jesse disrespect women and then turn around and have his two surrogate nieces right there? Like, that's crazy. There's, there must be a wild disconnect. Like, one day these young ladies are going to grow up and like, wouldn't Uncle Jesse pray to God? Oh, oh, wait, wait a minute. Sorry to cut everything. Danny Tanner's about to get, look, oh, the music just changed. Danny Tanner's going to give a Danny Tanner speech. You know, your mom would be here. I'd come up from work and everything would be perfect. What if he just went left and was like, but now your mom's dead. She's dead, DJ. Grow up. DJ, how would your mom handle this? She would have caught me in the gro- before I caught me in the garage. Mom knew everything I did before I did it. Dad, you suck. That's basically what DJ is saying right now. Melan- and it just said melancholic music. What is it, honey? What is it? What's wrong, DJ? It's just not fair. No, DJ. And as you get older, it's even less fair. She said, first I lose my mom, then grandma leaves. And now I lose my own room. Yeah, and guess what else? Then there's rent and car insurance and children and work and responsibility. Bob Saget with a strong acting face. Bob Saget finally, finally showing the full force of grief. Look at this man was, this man was the glue of this whole show. I need you guys to go back and watch this first episode of Full House just for this one scene where Danny is talking to Michelle and DJ. And it's just no buffoonery from Uncle Joey. No, no narcissistic selfishness from Uncle Jesse. This could have been the show, honestly. I mean, I love what it became anyway, but if it was just Danny and DJ and Steph, I could have been okay. And then, you know, them dealing with like, you know, life on a regular basis. Wow. Because Bob Saget is doing some, some amazing work right now. He's talking about the, the years that he spent with his wife and, you know, how great it would, was, it, how great it was. And he said, either you move back in the house DJ, or we're all moving in the garage, but nothing is breaking up this team. I'm about to, I'm about to burst into tears. That's why this, I love this show. I don't need to know. There's no reason to put a bow on this episode. I know why I liked it. I love this show because it's, ah, uh, why is it? <laughs> it's actually getting me. 
This show is so great. I miss Bob Saget. I'm going to start wearing sweaters whenever Brayden asks me anything. Brayden is my son. We wear sweaters and give him a long, drawn-out speeches. I have to have something close by, a speaker to play melancholic music whenever I need to give a speech. Even Uncle Jesse is now playing with the baby. DJ trying to get $20 back. Uncle Jesse. Oh, wow. I guess Full House really is like family because all of these people annoyed me at the beginning, but now I want to spend the rest of my life fighting with them. Just like real family. Oh, wow. Oh, here was Uncle Joey. Anyway, um, man, this was... That one scene just got to me. Man, Bob Saga was... Wow. And now they're singing the Flintstones theme song. I don't, I don't know why. I, maybe it was like the easiest thing to get cleared by the studio back in the time, back in the day. That's if they even cared about like, you know, copyrights and music laws and all that stuff. They probably just started singing it. And everyone was like, do we need to tell anybody? And they're like, no, I don't think so. I think we're okay just to let it be this. And they're singing to Michelle because Danny said Michelle loves music. I mean, the jury's still out on that because I've never seen that character care about music. And producer Jeff Franklin. Michelle is waving. And ladies and gentlemen, we are out on our first episode of Full House as the Golden Gate Bridge comes into view. Oh, man. Danny's fishing with the girls. They're driving in that Corvette with Joey and Jesse in the back with Michelle. That was great. They keep trying to go to the next episode. I'm not watching the next episode. So I'm trying to... And uh, yeah, this was, you know what? Distributed by Warner Brothers Television. That's why it's on HBO because they own the rights to it. Wow. Why did I like... I know there's three questions, but they keep changing from episode to episode. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but I say different ones. Uh, but the gist of it is, why did I like it? Why did I like Full House? Full House is wholesome. It's just, it's so charming. There's something about this, this cast. The cast itself, you can tell there's an actual palpable real love there. There's more to it than, oh yeah, we did this show back in the day. Let's do this show again. There's a sense of like family there. And I, I even in that first episode, you saw it. And I don't know if it was just because, because I know a lot of them still hang out together. I know a lot of them still do you know, projects together and they try to you know, keep in touch and everything. And I, and I love that about them. But that first episode, you just you felt it. Even before you knew exactly what it was that the show would become, it was amazing to see that. Like, I, I loved all of that just now. I just, I mean, even as annoying as Dave Coulier and Uncle Joey is, I, I, I loved it. And um, it was cool to see, because then it all came full circle with, you know, the last episode of uh, Fuller House. Everybody was in it. It was like a good, it was a good send off. You know, Bob Saget tragically passing away made it so I, I think i think this this the series as a whole is probably at its end for for good which you know but there's so much to go back and look at to enjoy so why did i like full house because it was just it was one of those things man you know it's like the perfect tv family because they were so imperfect it was it was messy it was it was cheesy it was campy it was when it was good it was great man it was great like and later seasons when, you know, Jesse had the twins and Rebecca and they're trying to get them to the school and pretending they're smart. Or when Steve comes in, who is DJ's boyfriend, who I love, also the voice of Aladdin. Steve was all, I loved Steve. Even in the reboot, before they brought Steve back, I was nervous he wouldn't make it. And when they brought that, that character back, I, I loved it. Vicky was awesome. They did a crossover with Urkel from Family Matters, the nerd. I, I mean, uh, whatever it happened. And then Taj Maori, who would be in Smart Guy, playing Michelle's friend like and then the episode where oh the episode where Joey scares Michelle because he's playing hockey because he's Canadian and he like gets very aggressive on the ice so she gets scared of him 
when they go to Disney World, these were great episodes. This first episode, I was expecting to hate it. I'm not going to lie to you. I was like, I'm going to go on this and be like, uh. But as you can see, you saw the heart of that show in real time, man. It was Bob Saget, hands down. The, a similar thing had happened with Back to the Future, where Eric Stoltz famously was cast as Marty McFly when Michael J. Fox couldn't do it because he was busy doing family ties. Then they decided to work out a schedule where literally Michael J. Fox would film family ties during the day and go right to set and film Back to the Future at night. Talk about hustling. Talk about putting in the work. Michael J. Fox making a movie and a show in the same day. I know people who can't even like make a sandwich and work in the same day. I know people who can't even cut grass and go to a movie in the same day, which is one's leisure, one is work. This man is putting in the work and then putting in play, playing two completely different characters. You remember, this is back in the 80s and 90s too when there was, you know, a lot more just stuff involved in everything. So I can see why certain directors, when they have a vision and they see something in an actor, they will do whatever they can to get their, their way. And I think that's what happened with Danny Tanner and I, and I understand it because I have seen on a DVD years ago, the unaired pilot with John Posey. And while he's a great guy and he has that, that warm factor to him, there's something about Bob Saget that was just different, man. It was different. And like John Ritter, like Carl Winslow, like Uncle Phil, these TV dads in the 80s and 90s, they, they really felt like they were our parents. So why did I like Full House? I've said it a billion times. Bob Saget. Boom. Home. Does it hold up? Yes. Sometimes you just need cheese. Who doesn't like a sandwich with cheese on it? I don't know. Maybe a psycho. And I don't want to hang out with a psycho. Well, not all the time. Sometimes, yeah, it's funny because you don't know what the psycho is going to do. Oh, the psycho went crazy. And I don't mean to, you know, mean like somebody with, you know, mental illness, nothing like that. I mean, somebody who just literally is just doing things, do things. And they are very aware of their facilities. I like to cover all my bases when I do this kind of stuff. The point is, I love the fact that this thing exists or existed, however you want to see it, that was just 24 minutes of just wholesome and it ended with real love bursting out of every scene. Days go by. It's the bigger love of the family. I'm pretty sure I got the words wrong. That's from the theme song, but they fit nonetheless. Ladies and gentlemen, Full House is fantastic. And to put a bow on it, I still think it will hold up and I love it even now. Uh, having said that, I have been the nefarious Mike A. Sims. You could, of course, catch me on YouTube at Mike A. Sims X Mike Versus. That's M-I-C space V-E-R-S-Y-S. Watch all my, my skits, all the good stuff. Go back and listen to all the previous episodes of Why Did I Like It, such as Why Did I Like Pogs and Why Did I Like Superhuman Samurai and Super Mario Brothers and all that good stuff. Next week, I'm going to actually do Why Did I Like Brain Warp, where I'm going to play the game in real time. I did not get a chance to have my brother-in-law play Pogs with me, but that's still going to happen. I'm going to do a follow-up episode. We'll call it the Gamer episode. I don't know. We'll do something like that. But we'll actually play these games with people from back in the day and see what they think about it. Don't worry. The show is expanding. Look at the silly artwork. Brian has been doing a fantastic job. You guys have been a wonderful audience. I cannot wait to see what happens next week because we're going to try and do the game. And then after that, we're going to try and do Animorphs. But like I say in the past, who knows what I'm going to end up doing. I have been the nefarious Mike A. Sims. You have been fantastic. And I will see you on the flip side of humanity.